0: Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at wildheartnashville or you can make a donation through our website wildheartmeditationcenter.org by clicking the donate tab peace and love hope you enjoy Peace and love, peace and love. Thanks for your practice. I guess we'll get going into the talk. Um, so Cal and I uh, were talking about, okay, what, what should the topic for tonight be? And um, I feel like in Buddhism, especially our like, brand of Buddhism, sometimes it can get really gloom and doom, right? That we hold up this first noble truth of suffering, of dukkha. And even in the core teachings of the Buddha, we acknowledge there is suffering, there's a cause of suffering, there's an end of suffering, there's a path that ends suffering, 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 suffering. And then we find ourselves in our weekly classes. uh, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the, the Sunday morning class is on the three marks of existence, that all conditions in life are impermanent and they're they're unsatisfactory and they're impersonal by nature. And it's like almost like this other gloom and doom. But then Wednesday night, they started a whole other series and it's on the same exact thing the three marks of existence. So they're talking about impermanence and suffering and an impersonal nature of life. And so it's like, well, maybe we should do something about this. So we wanted to talk about a topic that may be a little bit more uplifting than the gloom and doom of, of dukkha. So. Uh, We are going to talk about the five spiritual faculties. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have heard a talk on the five five spiritual faculties. It has been quite some time since I've given a talk on five spiritual faculties. Um, And what these are, specifically, it's, it's faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. So we want to develop these five things. But to unpack what I mean by spiritual faculties what does that mean um, to a certain degree it means a couple different things one I've heard people describe it as virtue so like the five spiritual virtues but if you're anything like me that word virtue is just ew, it looks kind of kind of gross because what images of virtuous people and morally superior people that are preaching their rules and restrictions on my life and so I kind of appreciate, appreciate that the virtue quality in Buddhism isn't so much of all out there, the ethics of out there, the morality of there. It's, it's what's inside of us. So these are these virtuous qualities inside that we are looking at developing and resting in. The Pali Sanskrit word that this originally teaching come from, it is a uh, indrias, So it would be the five Indriyas. And this word, Indriya, comes from a, a Vedic god, Indra. Not that the Buddha worshipped gods or anything like that, but at the time of the Buddha, Indriya was a kind of a popular god in, in Jainism, Brahmanism, Hinduism. And he, instead of us worshipping an external god, the Buddha liked to reframe these things and, and develop these qualities of Indriya within ourselves. So Indriya was a very powerful God. And so these were the qualities that we develop the power within ourselves and develop ourselves. And so these qualities sometimes are called the five spiritual powers. I almost put that on the flyer, just so y'all would be like, oh, I'm gonna develop the five spiritual powers,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: So rather than you know flying or walking through walls or levitating, mind reading, we're going to try to look at these five spiritual qualities of faith, of energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Um, so, uh, let's go into it, right? right. Let's dig in. <laughs> Thank you, Rocky.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first of these five spiritual powers is faith. What comes up when y'all hear that word? Just take a moment and feel into it. And just, yeah, say out loud, like what comes to mind when you hear the word faith? Trust. Trust. Religion. Religion. Lies. Confidence. Lies. 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 Unknowing. word right? I have, uh, I've heard one of our teachers here, Andrew, call it the F word. <laughs> and it's funny because we say fuck all the time, but like, <laughs> you, know, you say faith and everyone like kind of gets sick. But yeah, so it, it can have this different sort of connotation for us. And I grew up in a setting where faith meant not being able to ask questions and that I couldn't really be myself authentically and if I didn't believe what I was told that I was in some way deeply broken. So this has been, you know, kind of a a tricky word for me historically. But we're not talking about that sort of faith. Um, Sharon Salzberg says, In Buddhism, faith isn't seen as a commodity that we can stockpile, or something that we need to have enough of, or the right kind of, or will be condemned. Rather, it's a process that unfolds as self-respect deepens. Our insistence on knowing the truth for ourselves strengthens, and our willingness to question and wonder leads us on. So sadha is the Pali Sanskrit word that the Buddha uses. And while it does mean faith, it's not a perfect translation. I read uh, somebody else describe it as a confidence born out of conviction. And that's something that's a little bit easier to get behind, right? Confidence. I could, I could use more of <laughs> that. But yeah, when you when you think about it, everything that we do in life, you have to have some sort of faith or confidence to get started. Like learning a language or an instrument or going to a new place, you have confidence in your ability to do that thing. And it's the same thing with meditation. You have to have that confidence to get started and to keep going. And y'all are here, right? There there has to be some aspect of confidence or faith present in you already. So it, it can really inspire us in our practice. we you know, why why do we meditate? Like, what are, what are some of the reasons? Some things that come up for me, it's like liberation of all beings or, you know, awakening is possible. I know firsthand that meditation makes me a lot less of an asshole. So mm-hmm. there's that. It's an experiential practice. And, you know, I know this for myself now. Like, I have developed faith over time. But don't take my word for it. And the Buddha says not to take his word for it either. Says, do not believe anything just because I said it, because a great elder has said it, because you've read it in the sacred texts. Put it into practice. See for yourself what's true. So there's this word, ekipasako, see for yourself. And I love that about Buddhism. It's not, there's no because I said so. There's no, you know, blind, dogmatic faith. It's an invitation, this sort of inquiry. Like, see if this works for you. So we can hear these teachings all day. But, and you can intellectually understand something. Like, you can understand the truth of impermanence. But until you've practiced and you've seen it over and over again, you can't really deeply know something until you've experienced it. So he encourages this you know, healthy doubt, this investigation. But there's another kind of doubt that can really stop us in our tracks. It's this sort of wishy-washy doubt like is this even working? Like, why Why am I doing this? I'm just like sitting here feeling like an idiot. Like there can be moments that that sort of doubt creeps in. That am I on the right path? You know, maybe I, I should have listened to the the other spiritual people in the area, you know, Flying Spaghetti Monster people, whatever <laughs> This before, not with the applying spaghetti monster, but I, I felt it this doubt, and my heard this, but I never meant to be a Buddhist. I was just trying to quit drinking. And so sometimes I just have these moments where I'm like, how how did I get here? How did I get here? It's and that doubt does creep in. But then I remember what it was like before, before I started meditating, how I felt, how I just couldn't stand to be with my emotions in any capacity. I I couldn't stand to be in my body as it was without needing to chemically alter my experience. And I, I think of that and how much this practice has, you know, been transformative in my life, and I, I remember when I do it. So there are different practices that can help us develop, you know, more faith, more confidence. And one is reflecting on three refuges of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And this is really helpful for me. I love it. There's a a chant to do too, that you, you take refuge like it's a, uh, a practice, but taking refuge in the Buddha, this can mean the historical Buddha, like our, our boy, and his journey, and, you know, not worshipping him or like considering him as any sort of deity. But more as an example and an inspiration, we can look at the Buddha's story and see our own potential. Something that I really love, there's a concept in Mahayana Buddhism called Buddha Nature, and it's that we have a seed of awakening in us. Every one of us, we we all have a, a little Buddha inside us, and it just gets covered up. So every, every human can wake up. Like the person who cuts you off in traffic, they, they have a Buddha in them too, as much as you do. It's uh, portrayed sometimes as a moon getting covered up by clouds. So we have this internal seed of awakening, but it just gets covered up. There's a, a quote. Um, the Buddha nature, which is ours from the very beginning, is like the sun which emerges from the clouds, or like a mirror, which when rubbed regains its original purity and clarity. So that's something that's helpful for me to reflect on. Just my own inherent goodness and coming from a religion where I felt sinful, I, I felt that I was bad and needed to follow a series of steps in order to uh, do something about that it's nice just knowing that i am good and everyone else is too and we can take refuge in the dharma the buddhist teachings they've been around for 2600 years and yeah modern neuroscience is just starting to get hit to some of the things that he's been saying for a really long time. So we can, we can take refuge in the Dharma, in the path. And finally the Sangha. And that's the biggest refuge for me. Whenever I'm feeling any sort of doubt in my ability on this path, or in this practice, just talking to somebody from the center, it's amazing. You know, it's it's y'all that keep me going, my friends. So those are some things that we can reflect on when we're feeling, doubting the practice and just not feeling that sort of thing that's necessary to keep going. So the second spiritual power is energy. And the Buddha talks about this a lot. I think it's one of the most talked about subjects in the Pali Canon. It is Uriya in Pali Sanskrit. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, energy a big thing. Does anybody get sleepy when they meditate? Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Or so restless that you actually get up at home, especially. <laughs> it's just, uh, nope. <laughs> I've done it. (laughs) So yeah, it's a really important element in our practice. And energy is necessary to bring any endeavor to completion. So this word, viria, can be translated in a number of ways. It's not just energy. It can mean energy, strength, vigor, perseverance, and persistence. But it can also mean courage. And that's something that's so necessary in our practice. You know, Anytime we meet what's here, whatever's coming up in our present time experience with compassion, it takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage to be in your body when you're in pain and just to stay in a moment when your emotions are, you know, feeling like a flash flood. It takes a lot of courage to be there and to stay there. And this word can also refer to effort in our practice. So the Buddha talks about effort and energy like, being like the strings on a lute and so if the you know strings on a lute are too loose there's not enough effort it's going to sound all floppy won't sound good <laughs> or if it's too tight you know it's, it's going to be sharp you might break a string so it's all about finding that right balance of effort and energy somewhere in between and then music happens So it's, it's something to keep in mind, like in your sitting practice, like how, how much effort, how much energy are you putting into it? Are you, you know, too relaxed going off into daydreams and not worrying to bring yourself back or, you know, I've had it doing noting practice where I feel like I'm just like waiting to pounce on the next thing, the next Mm -hmm. mental note, like Mm whack-a-mole. So finding a good balance there. So, this not only helps us in our practice itself, but also in keeping a consistent practice. You know, meditating, sitting down when we don't feel like it, when we're too tired or we feel that we're too busy. You know, it keeps us coming back to the cushion, this perseverance along the path. And oftentimes, I found like, at least in my life, the first things to go when I'm really busy are the things that are most important for my well-being. And why why do we do this, you know? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm too busy to meditate. I don't have time. You know, those, those stories can go off in our heads. But it's like, I think we've got at least five minutes, you know, just to sit down and be nice to ourselves. Or, you know, 20 minutes. It's, I I can look at my phone for 20 minutes, like very easily. So we don't we have the time. It's just about putting in the effort. And you know, I a lot of y'all in here tonight are my friends and I know you have very strong practices, but I'd, I'd like to really encourage everyone to, if you don't have a consistent home practice, maybe set a goal tonight. And just, you know, whatever it is, five minutes a day, 20 minutes, three or four times a week or, you know, longer if you've been doing this for a while, just set a goal and see if you can make it this week and see how you feel. You know, it could just be being present while you're doing the dishes or brushing your teeth or going for a walk, too. I'd like to invite you all to, you know, take, take that time for yourselves.
0: Yeah, and I like how, as we're unfolding these five spiritual faculties, how they really work well together. That this first spiritual faculty of faith and confidence really brings us onto the path. And then that brings the virya, the the energy, the effort. Uh, I think so many times in my life somebody told me, you should do this, you should do that, and if you don't want to do it, you must be lazy. Like a prior generation dictating my life for me that I don't have confidence in. And if I don't want to live their life, there's no, your generation is so lazy. Well, it's because I don't have faith in what you're teaching me. And so I like how my heart guides me to the cushion every morning, that I have faith that if I sit on my ass and meditate, some good things are going to come from that. So I like how the heart of faith guides us. And then, so we start with faith, move into energy that comes from this, this faith, and then now we're on the, the virtue of mindfulness, the spiritual power of mindfulness. And as I brought up this idea that these spiritual faculties are called spiritual powers, I think I would, I could, having a mindful moment, while it may be not as, um, excitable as flying it's way more helpful for me i could levitate on this cushion great but if there's hate and dread and terrible things and I'm that i'm believing my mind saying i'm just floating and suffering <laughs> so the true spiritual power is mindfulness have you discovered that that when you are able to have the mindful breath and come to a place where you're not taking your mind so personally that you have this present time non-judgmental awareness of, your, in, of the present time experience that you don't have to suffer in this moment. What a great power to have. You don't have to believe everything you think. You don't have to follow every impulse. You don't have to repress anything. You don't have to fix, manage, pro- control shit. You can just breathe and be present with whatever arises and in that moment is a great power of freedom here's the thing though we forget we fall asleep the the hate fantasies in our mind get really seductive and then we're lost in the world of resentment but mindfulness goes hey remember that's that's just a thought come back come back that's just a thought or we get really crazy and our sense of well-being is reliant on getting the next job, the next thing, the next person, and we're in that hungry ghost realm of consuming, 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 and it's, hey, remember, your, your well-being is right here and now. Or we go into the past, and we, uh, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night remembering all the stupid things I did in high school, and go, oh, that, that's actually a thought. That's a thought. Come back. Come back. And so, that it's a wonderful power that awakening is available to us here and now. You know, sometimes we talk about awakening as some stage of enlightenment, and I'm sure it's those things I couldn't tell you from personal experience, but I can tell you, when I remember to come back to this present-time experience, that, that is magic, that is powerful. So holding this as a virtue, as a power, as a faculty we want to uphold, is quite beautiful, and I, 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 I am endlessly grateful for this practice of mindfulness. And so, as we continue on these faculties of faith, energy, mindfulness, we move even forward into concentration. And it's not that, um, it's not talked about that much in our tradition. Uh, uh, concentration. We are more of a mindfulness group, but concentration is a very beautiful practice because when we are able to unify the mind with the present time experience, we are locked into reality here and now. And of course that we can do things like mindfulness of breathing. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to that sweet spot where your mind is locked in with the breath, And of course, thoughts will arise, but they're kind of in the the background. Sometimes they're like these wispy things. And then you're in the present moment with something like the breath. And when you get into that spot, this leads us to a discovery of a deep dharma. And this leads me to the last and fifth spiritual faculty, which is wisdom. And we develop wisdom through direct experience. We develop the dharma in these direct experience. And sometimes, we don't, uh, I know we say this word dharma a lot, and then somebody will be like, what is, what's dharma? <laughs> Maybe I should define it a little bit. Um, the word dharma, if you look at the Buddhist teachings, it's used in a variety of ways. So sometimes it's just phenomenon, just all things. Sometimes it's the teachings. Um, and then sometimes it's called the, the, like the, the way things are, the true nature of reality. So that's what I'm talking about here. When we are able to be present with this here and concentrate on it, the true nature of reality is revealed in this. So sometimes we think, oh, if we want to know the truth of the whole universe, the laws of the whole universe, we have to go travel the whole universe to learn how things understand. We have to go to this corner of the earth to learn how uh, that law of the universe works, or we have to talk to these people and have these experiences. But in Buddhism, we acknowledge the truth of the whole universe exists within ourselves. So when we concentrate and bring our awareness inward, we start to learn things from direct experience. Not a dharma talk, not a book. (laughs) I like the saying, wisdom written down on paper isn't true wisdom. That the wisdom comes from this experience of looking inward. That the the Buddha said that within this fathom-long body lies the the origin of the world, the uh, the uh, well, the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the path to that ends suffering. So it's within ourselves that we discover these true natures of reality. And then when we come to a place of experiencing that directly, um, it ends suffering. So the example I give all the time, I'm sure all of you have heard it. Good reminder. Very simple uh, insight I had very early on that helped me gain faith that led me on this almost cyclical path was, um, I started in the Zen tradition, a very strict tradition. Um, uh, I think at the time I was the only person not in robes. I was like like 26 years old, alcoholic, depressed, smelled like shit, looked terrible. Uh, But they were very strict about the way they did everything. So I was just trying to fit in, trying to just do the right thing without getting, you know, a shame spiral as a monk says, don't do that. (laughs) So I was sitting in meditation and they sit with their eyes open and everybody's very still. The instructions are sit very still. And as I'm sitting very still, an itch arises on my nose. And everything in me wants to scratch that itch. But. I didn't want to disrupt the meditation, so I just sat with the itch. When I sat with this itch, I became curious with the itch. And I turned towards the itch. And I felt that impulse to scratch the itch. But if I just turn towards it and notice its edges, its sharpness right there in the center, and the heat of it, and where it starts and where it isn't, I notice like the back of my head doesn't have an itch. My nose definitely does. And if I just sat there with that itch, I noticed something happened. I can tolerate it. I can be with it. I don't have to hate it. My problem wasn't the itch. The problem, I hated the itch. So I set aside hatred and became curious with the itch. And over time, it went away. And that's the truth of the whole universe. (laughs) Your problems aren't itches. Your problems aren't the annoying person. The problem isn't your car not starting in the morning or whatever it is. The problem is we hate that shit. And so when we keep mindfulness to go, oh, I can tolerate the itches of life, we are free. That is the wisdom. That is the end of suffering we're looking for. So as we watch the rising and passing of this thing too, they're giving talks on this, like I said, on, on Sunday and Wednesday on impermanence. So listening to somebody talk about impermanence versus sitting your ass on a cushion, watch the impermanent nature of an itch. That's what we're going towards. These talks are just instructions for you to see for yourself and gain wisdom yourself. So wisdom is much different than intellect. I don't know if you all know people, I know plenty of people, I'll keep them to myself, that are very intellectual, very smart, but they are dumbasses, right? <laughs> so it happens, right? So when we actually develop concentration, and then the wisdom that comes from the direct experience here and now and it show you uh, the true nature of all things. And uh, William Blake, in one of his songs, he says, to see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. So in this very moment, right here and now, there's a lot to be revealed. So don't squander this moment, see the insights of wisdom right here and now, and let these five spiritual faculties guide you to the here and now that will show you the end of suffering. It's quite a virtuous, beautiful power to develop. So to review, we have the faith aspect, we have energy, we have mindfulness, we have concentration, and then we have wisdom. So I do wanna open it up, um, but a few questions maybe ask you that Faith. We start somewhere, and where do you find your faith? I know a lot of us are intellectuals in the room. <laughs> maybe you read a book, why Buddhism is true, or some neuroscience thing, uh, got you into sitting your ass here. Or maybe as a person, you know, oh that person seems to have their shit together. I'll, maybe I'll do what they do, and you ask them what they do, they say, oh I meditate. So maybe that gave you faith, you know, that that faith that just gets you in the door. But then there's other faith that comes from that direct experience. Maybe it's the faith of like, oh, I have that insight, I don't have to believe every thought I think. Right? So I wanna know, what, what brings up faith in you? And then looking how that connects with energy. What, you know, as we develop our own ambitions in our spiritual practice. Right? Uh, my teacher calls it, what is it, the, the great ambition. That we may have our ambitions in life to have this job or do this thing, but it's almost like the greatest ambition is to find a freedom from suffering. So what motivates you? And then, you know, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom, how those go together and our direct meditation, what wisdoms have you
1: developed? So, um, yeah, anything else before we open it up?
0: That sounds great.